Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. And as always, we, we want to pick up where we left off in, in the morning from, from a different angle. And uh, among the many issues that were introduced this morning, uh, such as uh, the Davidic covenant and the covenant roles that it plays in Scripture, climaxing in Christ and the new covenant, um, where we see ourselves in, in, in the church, uh, we, we talked about when God says no to good things. It doesn't mean they're not good things, but God says no. And there was another issue that we can only touch on briefly that I think is really worth us exploring in detail, and that is the, a theology of rest and the discipline of rest. Um, not something that we, we, we give enough thought to. And given the world that we live in, not to mention I've not been home today and I'm exhausted, uh, this sounds like a good time to talk about rest. And let me remind you, that it is 2021. We Americans are exhausted. And it is good news to know that rest is found not in circumstances, but in Christ. So let's read Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 13. If you will stand with me in a reverence for God's word. Won't be able to exegete this the way we normally would, but we will certainly uh, look at it. The writer of Hebrews writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not uh, benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also entered, rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and tensions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from the sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give it account. Many think that Hebrews is a sermon. It reads like one, doesn't it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, thank you for your, your love and your mercy as we gather as the people of God with the word of God before us. And we ask by your grace to open our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears, our hands and our feet and our mouths, that we would receive, that we would go in obedience to Christ. May we enter that rest. May I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your son we pray. Amen. May be seated. Can you tell me what condition I am describing? According to the CDC, it affects 50 to 70 million Americans, including at least 2 million children. This condition has caused over 100,000 car crashes per year including 1,550 deaths and 71,000 serious injuries. This condition has cost the U.S. economy more than $150 billion annually. The condition is insomnia and other sleeping disorders. 
March 10th is considered uh, uh, Insomnia Awareness Day. I assume the uh, celebrations and the events take place around 2 or 3 in the morning. I assume the events take place. Some of y'all have never suffered from insomnia. You're going to get a call from me tonight between 2 and 3. Preacher, aren't you tired? Yes, that's what I mean by insomnia. It's not that I don't want to sleep. It's, uh, there's, a, there's a hamster in my mind, and he won't get off that wheel. According to studies, Americans sleep 20% less today than they did 100 years ago. Now, the solution to this seems pretty obvious, isn't it? Get more sleep. <laughs> Check that off, right? We, we just fixed that. And according to Consumer Reports, Americans spent an estimated $41 billion on sleep aids and other remedies in 2015 alone and are expected to spend over $52 billion in the year 2020. Something tells me when that study was, was, was made, when 2020 happened, that number went a little higher. What was actually spent? I remember one night where I just couldn't sleep. Tossing and turning, and those of you married, you know what happens. You try to be quiet. You, you, you try not to bother anyone, but your spouse is going to wake up and not wake up out of sympathy. Right? It's like, you are robbing me of sleep, right? And I remember, you know, the, you know I've struggled with insomnia. Some, some periods are worse than others. And she says, well, have you ever tried not thinking? Right? <laughs> Brilliant, right? Why didn't I think of that? Man, now you put it that way, right? No, that is the problem, right? I got two hamsters up there, and they're fighting over who... Who, who, who is going to be the center of, 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 of attention here. But of course, the problem is deeper than sleep. We all know that some of us right now, we could sleep for 16 hours a day and still be tired. Uh, 2021, to me, I think has been a rougher year, me personally, than 2020. Now, I don't know what your story is, uh, but I was told on December 31st that 2021 was not going to be like this. Even now, our special time of prayer for Jason is adds to the burden of what 2021 has been. And I have thought in recent days that, man, if I could sleep for six months, just put a pause on everything, just put a pause, all of us for six months just rest, we'd all be better for it. And of course, it doesn't happen that way, does it? Strange, isn't it, how we can get a good night's sleep, have a slow day at work, Maybe enjoy a nap, but still feel restless. Maybe the lack of sleep is a symptom. The real problem is the lack of rest. Although I'm more of a Babylon Bee sort of guy, The Onion had one funny joke some time ago. The headline was, quote, Man on cusp of having fun suddenly remembers every single one of his responsibilities. I like that. I can relate to that. Let us look at a biblical theology of, of, of rest. We, we hinted at, at this this morning. We could only barely uh, uh, highlight bits and pieces. We'll come to some of those, of course. But we, we sometimes are surprised at what the Bible has to say about this. From Genesis to Revelations, we'll see that, that, that one of the central story arcs is that we find rest, genuine rest in Christ. And it starts right there in Genesis chapter 2 with Sabbath creation. 
God, of course, creates the heavens and the earth, and the Bible says that is work. Jesus will say in the Gospel of John, my Father is always working. Well, from the very beginning of creation, what we have there is God at work. He creates the lights. He creates the heavens. He creates the firmament. He creates the waters. He creates the land. He creates human beings and has been babysitting us ever since. The man is at work. But what we see in the seventh day is that God rests. And as we said this morning, he rests not because he's tired. God rests because he is done. And there is a significant difference. He was done. He didn't put the rest of creation on the back burner. He didn't go on vacation because it was too much. God created and he was done. And he reflected and was glorified in his creation from the smallest of atoms to the greatest of humans. Thus, the original and continued purpose of Sabbath is to worship the God of creation and redemption. The Sabbath reminds us that we are made in his image, not our creations. Later, what we see is that the Sabbath rest uh, is uh, the Sabbath uh, uh, creation is repeated in the Sabbath law. We saw this again this morning. With, with the giving of the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments is you should recognize the Sabbath. And what we usually mean by that is don't work. I grew up um, believing, and I still practice this out of fear that God may strike me with lightning, that you do not mow the yard on a Sunday. Now, I may go out and um, tackle my brother and he return for four hours on a Sunday. We, we, we might, you know, uh, do a pickup game of basketball or we may have to haul hay or something, right? But don't you dare mow the yard on Sunday. That's the Lord's day and that's work. Mom and dad didn't mind making us work inside, mind you. But do not mow the yard. And to this day, I do not mow the yard on Sunday. Probably more fear of my parents than of God. I'll be honest with you. I think that may be the, what's really going on there. But, of course, the principle is, is there. It's about more than work, isn't it? The point of it is, is, is to go back to creation and say, what is the pattern that God has here? The pattern is that God works and God rests. There is a time of work and there is a time to rest. The problem is, too often, too many of us are lazy when we're supposed to be working and we're too busy when we're supposed to be resting. God says, no, there, there is a time to work, a time to rest. And rest is more than a nap during halftime. To rest is to reflect on one who is greater and beyond you, who made you in his image, who is sovereign over creation and is good. It guards against idleness. It guards against laziness. But rest was more than a command in the Bible. After all, if Adam and Eve were given rest in the garden, what was lost in the garden was rest Think about what, what the, the, the curse is. It, is. it is God saying what you took for granted, the earth and everything, what will now turn against you. Ladies, the, the thing you desire most in, in the bearing of children will be a source of great pain and discomfort for you. Men, the thing you're called to do in working the ground will be a source of discomfort and pain for you. The cosmos itself will be your enemy. Death itself will come hunting for you. That, that, that we live in a world of... Of, of restlessness. And so what the Bible shows us is the longing of our hearts. We long for rest. And so we see this throughout the Bible. Exodus 33, 14, my presence will go with you. 
I will give you rest. Knows that they were not at rest in Egypt. They were slaves because slavery is bad. And, and slavery contradicts this, this notion of, of rest. And so God liberates them out of slavery, leads them through the promised land. And in the promised land was to be a place of rest. It was a remake of the Garden of Eden where God will dwell with his people and they will find rest. Notice there, it is God who gives rest. Deuteronomy 12 says, uh, For you have not as yet come to rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God has given you. This is, this is Moses, his last will and testament, book of Deuteronomy. They, they are on the cusp of taking for themselves the promised land, the land of rest. And he says, when you go and inherit it, God will give you rest. Moses is encouraging the thing you long for, that of rest will be yours in the presence of God. Deuteronomy 25, therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies around you and the land God has given you as an inheritance. Now, it's interesting there, isn't it? That that's the same language, we said that this morning, that, that is used to describe David, that God gave him a rest from all of his enemies. And where is David? He is in the promised land. Here, the Israelites are fighting uh, the Amalekites. Later, David will be fighting the, the, the Moabites and the Ammonites. There's so much more there. I'm tempted to, that's okay. We'll move on. Joshua 1.13, remember the word that Moses commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest will give you this land. Joshua repeating the promises of Moses. Joshua 11.13 says, uh, he took the whole land and gave it for an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal allotments. The land had rest from war. What is war? It is the outworking of the, the, the fallen creation where we are no longer one, that becomes two, we are many at war with each other. Joshua 21, the Lord gave them rest on every side as he had sworn to their fathers. Notice there, the promise of rest was bigger than land. It was a covenantal promise. It was a Sabbath promise. The Lord had given the enemies into their hands. Joshua 22, now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies. Moses has given you. Finally, uh, Solomon, I believe we saw this this morning. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. Not one word failed of all his promise, his good promise, which he spoke to Moses. Here is Solomon speaking of Moses. Why? Because that is the Sabbath promise that Israel would be at rest. And remember, it is through Israel that the nations will be blessed. That's the Abrahamic covenant by the means of the Davidic covenant that when Israel is at rest, the earth itself will come to a place of rest. It is the expansion of the Garden of Eden is the big picture of Israel. But there's a problem here, of course, right? Uh, You know, it, it would be a boring story if there wasn't a problem. And there is a major problem when it comes to humanity because we we have um, we have a, a lot of problems. The rest of Israel in the promised land was short lived. Not because God was unfaithful, but because the Jews were. So the book of Judges, this comes up all the time. Judges is a roller coaster. Judges is what got me into the Bible. We'll have to go through Judges sometime. In 40 years, whenever we finish Genesis, we'll go through it on Wednesday nights. And uh, it's amazing what is in the book of Judges. Judges is a roller coaster, right? They, they love Jesus. They don't like Jesus. They forgot his name. God, you know, sends them a judgment, sends them in, in deliverance, all that sort of stuff. But this issue of rest shows up all the time. Judges 3, 11, uh, the land had rest 40 years in Othniel, the son of Kenazdad. Notice there, Othniel, it was used by God to give them rest. When he died, no rest. 
later. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel. The land had rest. Number five, the land rested for 40 years. Chapter eight, so Midian was subdued for the people of Israel. The land had rest 40 years in the days of Gideon. 40 years. It's almost like that number is important, isn't it? It isn't just the book of Judges where there is this longing of rest, the, 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 the lack of, of consistency when it comes to rest. The book of Psalms cries out for rest. The, 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 the longing of the heart is made evident in Psalm. Psalm 22, 2. Uh, oh my God, uh, this is David, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. Is he talking about sleep or is he talking about something deeper? And the answer is yes. Why can't he sleep at night? Because he can't find rest. It's not about sleep necessarily. It's about so much more that prevents sleep. 55, and I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I'd fly away and be at rest. I, I think if we were to summarize the two years of COVID, let's just hope it's only two years and not 20. That's the verse, isn't it? I think if you could summarize where you are right now, it's Psalm 55, 6. If I could fly away, I would go and be at rest. I share with you what I want is a sleeping bag in, in a dark room for six months. What David wanted was to be, have wings like a dove and rests. This is a universal problem. And because it's a universal problem, it's a universal solution. And this is why we come to the New Testament where there, there, there is a number of solutions offered. One of them is particularly prominent, and that is strict adherence to the Sabbath law. If you just keep the rules, everything will work out. Over and over again, Jesus and his disciples are criticized and accused for being Sabbath breakers. Even when Jesus helps the hurting and the weak on the Sabbath, they are excoriated by the self-righteous for violating the law. Why? Uh, because he's breaking the Sabbath law. And, and, and in doing so, so you have a man with a withered hand, and Jesus says, which one is good? This withered hand or a hand that is working? They say the law is good. We don't care about the withered hand. And Jesus says, no, no, that the Sabbath promise is what matters. The Sabbath law points us to a Sabbath promise that God has to make you rest in order for you to see the, the vital necessity it is to rest in him. When, when Sabbath law becomes only law, you miss the point of the law. The point isn't so that you can brag that I don't mow my yard on Sundays, which I don't mow my yard on Sundays. The point of Sabbath law is to show us regularly to get us in the discipline that what we need is to find our rest in our creator and redeemer. But when it becomes just a law and it gets particularly silly in the way it is carried out, I joke about mowing the yard because we, we've joked about that my entire life. But in Jesus time, they would count your steps. And this is before GPS tracking devices. And so in order to break that law, what they would do is say, okay, what if I was wearing one shoe at a time? I could double the length that I could travel. You can't heal. You can't cook. You can't do all of these sort of things. Why? Sabbath law. And what they were missing was Sabbath rest. You want to know what keeping rules makes you do? Restless. Think about it. In fact, today, you all know that I think soccer's better than everything else. And, and I was trying to watch the end of a football game, the Bengals. Of course they lost. They're from Cincinnati. It's all they know how to do. And, and I remember that, that all they have to do is kick, kick the ball. Uh, and timeouts. Okay, there's been 80 of these timeouts. 
Okay, and then you come back timeout like, oh, no, flag on a play. we got to do instant replay. Why weren't you doing that during the timeout? Okay, so, so the guys are talking, and it's clear the commentators are running out of things to talk about. And I think here's the problem with a lot of sports is we're adding too many rules, right? And, and it, 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 it just, it's frustrating. So, too, you know, when life is nothing but rules, where everything is duty and not delight, you're never at rest because you never know, am I keeping all the rules? You just don't know. So obviously the legalistic approach of the Pharisees is inadequate for discovery and discipline of rest. We all need and we all desire rest, but neither sin nor the law will give it to us. The answer is given in the New Testament, and this isn't going to be news to you, but we fail to accept it in the practice of it. That, of course, is that rest is found in Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus famously said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean from me, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your weary souls. In Mark 6, before feeding the 5,000, apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that he had done and taught, and he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, they had no leisure even to eat. You see what Jesus just did there? You've been so busy serving. Let's go away to eat. Let's go away to rest. Matthew 12. Have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have known, you would have condemned the guiltless. Notice that phrase. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And if the point of the Sabbath is to find rest, where do you find rest? You find it in the Lord of the Sabbath. The New Testament's very clear. This is reinforced by the apostles. Regularly they speak of peace in Christ, perseverance through difficulty, contentment in poverty, joy in hardship. What they are describing is rest. Rest. Never the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 says, I've learned in whatever condition I'm in to be content. Wouldn't that be nice? What he's describing is rest. What it is we have here in Hebrews 4 is this biblical theology articulated. In fact, you, you see there, actually, he, he starts out with uh, uh, verse 3. Uh, he quoting from the Old Testament. We who have believed entered that rest. And that rest is, is pre, uh, presented to us in the Old Testament. As a sword of my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, now that Christ has come and we enter that rest, he is arguing. And again, he, he says, they shall not enter my rest. And he's pointing us back to, to the Sabbath day. But then verse six, since therefore it remains for some to enter it and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today saying through David so long afterward and the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Why? He turns us right back to Joshua who had given the people of Israel rests. They had rests from their weary souls. Rest in the promised land of God. Rest in the presence of God. And he says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest. Notice there, it isn't that Joshua provided rest and because they failed, we'll never get it back. There is a rest that is greater than land, a rest that is greater than history, a rest that is found in Christ. 
You see, he develops this, this, this biblical theology and he climaxes there in verse 11. Let us therefore enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. You see, you can look at the Old Testament. Why were they restless? Because of disobedience. They, they took their eyes off of Jesus. So too, why are you restless? Oh, because we take our eyes off of Jesus. What is the answer is that the promise of rest remains. That is good news. No doubt whether you're a seasoned believer still struggling with faith, this is the root of all that we desire today, faith or rest. We often will overwork ourselves so we can retire early, you know, to rest. We, we look forward to coming home, taking off our shoes and resting. We long for simpler days with less stress, less demands, less heartache. It is rest that we long for the most. And what does he say here? It's interesting, isn't it? Verse 11 to strive to enter rest. Those two words don't belong in the same sentence, do they? Strive for rest. But they do kind of go together, don't they? One of the things I love about running is how much I hate it. I was listening to a podcast recently. It's a running podcast. It's as boring as you think, but I'd still listen to it. And the, the book is called something like, uh, I hate running and so can you. You know, I've not read it, so I'm not recommending it. But the word hate has a heart like in place of the A. Isn't that cute? I've not seen it. I'm sure it's, it's cute and it's adorable. L-O-L-X-O-X-O. But one of the things he, he says that every runner goes through is when you start out, the first 15 to 30 minutes are awful. Right, and I agree with that. I actually, I, I just, you go through, you start out with, all right, I'm motivated, today's running day, and you start, you're like, this is, who came up with this? And I'm gonna have my mother call them, right? This is awful. Why, why would anyone run? I mean, where am I going? Nowhere, that's where I'm going. This is dumb. I should stop and turn around. And eventually, once your body gets into a rhythm, you think, well, I could do this all day. And then after about five minutes of that, you think, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? I'm only doing this because I set some goals that no one else cares about but me. This is just, just the dumbest thing in the world. But I have to do it because everyone else think I'm doing it. And I have to post it online so that I can get kudos from everyone else so I can feel better about myself. You know, those sort of things that go through your mind. And, and this is why I'm restless at night, insomniac. And then, and then eventually what happens is you see the finish line, right? And you think, well, this hasn't been that bad. It's been quite easy. I can fat go faster. There it is. It's right there. And in a race, you hear people cheering. They don't know who you are, nor do they care, and they'll never remember your face. But what they're cheering anyways, and you just go, and you get at the end, and, and you forget. You forget all that nonsense that went through your mind and through your body. And you think, I'll have to do that again. I'll have to do that again. And you forget about it until the next time you lace up the boots, you go outside on a cool 43-degree weather, clear day. Oh, just a, just a simple breeze to keep you cool. And you start off, you thinking, this is awful, right? And it starts all over again. It does make sense to strive for rest. If you know that there is rest at the end, to strive for rest, it makes complete sense. But notice the key in verse 10. Whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. You see what he just did there? He said, if, if, if God rested from the Sabbath because his works are done and Christ has finished all the works for you, the good news is you have nothing you need to strive for. So when you strive, you strive knowing that Christ is sufficient. 
Christ's grace is sufficient. You're not striving to earn anything from God. Christ is sufficient for you. Isn't that, isn't that free? You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. To prove yourself to, to, to your neighbor, your coworkers, or the, the people you, you have as friends online that you wouldn't want to share a dinner with. You have finished all your works. If you think your career defines you, you'll exhaust yourself. If you think your family's the best thing about you, you'll never prove to be the iconic, perfect mom. If you think multiple partners will give you joy, you'll die alone. If you think wealth will fulfill, me, fulfill you, you'll never have enough. You will strive and fight and war until you cannot go on. But in Christ, you have enough. Let's look real quickly. We've got to go. I've been going long enough. What does it look like? First of all, rest is inherently theological. At the root of all of our stress, worry, anxiety, and bitterness is refusing to enter into the rest of the gospel. The problem is that you don't make enough money, that people don't respect you, or the election didn't go your way. The problem is we refuse to believe the promises of God. This is what Hebrews is saying, right? There are those who came before us that did not enter that rest. You have Christ enter that rest. And if you, if you are not at rest, if you do not have the eternal promise of rest, it is because your eyes are off the vertical. Believe the promises of God. So rest begins theologically. Secondly, rest acknowledges that God is creator and sustainer of all things. That is to say, at the end of the day, we control nothing. You know, one of the things that I don't think you realize until you get some age, and that is your job couldn't care less about you. The second you quit, you will be replaced. That is a hard pill to swallow. But there are many of us who need to swallow that, don't we? Because we think, this place will collapse without me. No, it won't. It did fine without you. The theology of rest begins with God as creator, and it moves quickly to God as our redeemer. In him, we have all that we need. Even if we lose that high-paying job, even if our health gets worse, even our, our friends betray us. All that we have are gifts, not entitlements. God is creator and sustainer of all things. Thirdly and finally, we, we should follow God's pattern of work and rest. For six days God created and on the Sabbath he rested. He rested from his creation. We would do wise to rest from ours. Our exhaustion doesn't come from long hours, pushy bosses, or angry customers. Our exhaustion comes from what Tim Keller calls work under the work. The work to prove ourselves, the work to earn respect, the work to get ahead, the work of identity. And when that's our identity, we don't live by faith, but by works. Every time I leave the shop, things fall apart. If you want something done right, you might as well do it yourself. Before long, our creation, our work owns us. Rest keeps the world in its perspective, and more importantly, God in his perspective. Hope isn't in jobs, careers, incomes, families, friends, or influence, but in Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we, we do need to get away. Uh, that could be a date night, an open Saturday with nothing on the schedule, a weekend away from the kids, a family vacation away from the office. One of the things I, I do think that was a blessing early on in COVID was that we couldn't go anywhere and do anything. Anyone else enjoy sleeping in a little bit? You know, one of the things I found, you know, running back in last March, um, 
when all this hit March and April is I would run through Silver Lake and Indian Hills and various neighborhoods. And, and that's the only way I could make some visits. Some of y'all may remember coming, coming by your house, asking for water and how you're doing. And one of the things I heard was the sound of, of uh, uh, power tools. Men no longer had excuses that they didn't have time to do the things their wives wanted them to do. So there's a lot of wives in this city who finally got that new deck, right? <laughs> you know, um, I'm sure they've moved on to other things that they're asking their husbands to do that they don't seem to have the time for. But I remember thinking, you know, there's just something nice about not having to engage in the rat race. But what did we do as Americans? We found other things to fight about to consume us because we didn't enter into that rest. I had a boss who um, said to me quite a bit, whenever I, I came on uh, in retail when I was in Louisville, they were really behind, really, really behind. You couldn't walk in the, I was in charge of inventory and stuff. And I remember that first week, he, he, he made the mistake, he said, you can work as much as you want. Well, I was about to get married, and all I heard was, work as many hours you want, we'll pay you as much as you earn, right? And I, I was going to make me some money. And, and by the end of the week, he looked at me and he said, you know, sometimes you have to slow down and speed up. I think that's good advice. Sometimes you have to slow down and speed up. But we would do even better if we found our identity every day in Jesus. And that is a kind of rest that surpasses even the best of vacations. Let's be honest, many of us come back from vacation and we have to take a day off to recover. Seems like we missed the point, doesn't it? Well, I mentioned that this theology of rest starts in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. It certainly does that. I love the pictures in Revelation that comes to this issue. Revelation 6, one of my favorite verses in Revelation. And there was given to each of them, these are the martyred saints, a white robe. They were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had, would be completed. I love that image. Here are people who experience genuine injustice. And there is Jesus giving them a robe and saying, find rest, good and faithful servants. Same thing later in chapter 14. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their deeds follow them. That's good news. And the good news of the gospel is that if there is peace that awaits us, in Christ it is ours now. If there is joy that we look for, there is a joy we can possess now. And there is a love to be known. There is a love that can be experienced now. And if there is rest we can find, there is a rest now we can enjoy. I need to know that in the middle of a pandemic. Let's go, Lord, and pray.